So in terms of future trends, you have this fight on between cryptocurrencies and the traditional value frameworks, between data sharing and no data sharing, between regulation, between all of this stuff that's everywhere is turning into a massive war. And at the end of the day, the retailer or the brands that you're dealing with either going to win or fail based on how they respond to the end user's needs. Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another Ecom Ops podcast. Today I have Bish. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. Yeah, great to have you here. Thank you so much. Bish, tell me a bit about yourself, about your company. What are you doing? Yeah, I love when my guests do the intro themselves to explain what they are, who they are, what they do. Oh yeah, that, that's cool. My name is Bish. I am founder of a company called Enigmatic Smile which is what we call a reward technology facilitator. So we facilitate more effective loyalty programs across the world for multiple businesses, both in-store and e-commerce businesses, and try and do something a little bit interesting for everybody. Does that make sense? <laughs> Sounds really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds really interesting because we all know that a loyal customer is the best customer, re recurring customers. The more tools we have to get them back and back, the better it is. So how did you even go and come into this e-commerce niche? I hope an interesting journey for your viewers. We started off, or I started off maybe 20 years ago, literally selling vouchers for businesses like Subway sandwiches or Pizza Hut, that type of business, where we would create a voucher, maybe a two-for-one voucher or something like this, and we would go out and we would have teams selling these vouchers to the public. So the person on the street received a two-for-one coupon, an ongoing two-for-one coupon for a business or a brand. And so they won. We received money, so we won. And the brand received a loyal customer who, because they'd paid for a product, just kept coming back to that business and rebuying re off that business. And when we started, to, and because that was so successful, we had a lot of people working and selling and promoting, we wondered how could we extend it into many more businesses and many more industries And that's what we did by looking into how can we link existing payment methods to the transactions themselves. Because, of course, whether you're in-store or online, nobody can be bothered having a separate coupon or a separate card. or Nobody's got time anymore. And I guess on, in an online way, you go and search for a coupon sometimes when you're going to go and buy something, or at least I do. But what we realized is by tying it to the cards themselves and the payment transactions themselves, You can remove a lot of friction for the customers, remove a lot of friction for the retailers, be in a situation where we have a much more joined up data-centric approach across that customer's life cycle, multiple businesses, multiple locations where we can play with some interesting synergies. So that was the kind of life cycle of where we went from literally selling vouchers and coupons all the way up to dealing with the largest payment institutions and financial companies in the world allowing us to do these integrations into all kinds of companies who want promotional, want to bring customers back to them and drive sales, essentially. The story is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Because even you started in the offline world and finally 
went online with the solution, which is also very impressive. 20 years back, did you imagine that it comes like this, that you are running that thing online? Actually, it comes back to, because as, as Enigmatic Smile, although we're playing with the traditional world yeah, of uh, running reward programs and loyalty schemes for larger banks and media companies, et cetera, and retailers themselves, one of the things that um, we recognized early on, or one of the drivers behind this, these programs that we do, is finding a more efficient way to generate the reward itself or a better way to do the rewards themselves. Mm. And we do that um, We do that through, obviously, like some big blockchain element to everything we're doing of digital vouchers recorded on the blockchain so it's transparent for everybody. And uh, that was something, actually, that we were talking about doing and trying to build systems for doing that 20 years ago before blockchain even existed to try and digitize <laughs> coupon experience in a way which made the coupons or the vouchers fungible across multiple retailers. So a kind of mixture between a discount coupon and a traditional cash back. And if you get that mix right and you have all the touch points right, you can create, let's say, much better return on investment for participating brands than they could get either with cash back or their own coupons while at the same time making the experience better for a customer. So I think a long time ago, we did have the ideas. We just didn't know how to do it. And of course, over a long period of time, those ideas have become stronger and stronger. And obviously, I think for a lot of companies and a lot of people involved in the physical retail space over COVID, everybody had to change strategy. I mean, all the e-commerce businesses yeah. just started becoming better over, over that period. And we really moved to more e-commerce or a lot more e-commerce at that time, like everybody else had to survive. Yeah, absolutely. I think we won 10 to 15 years in digitalization during COVID. There was so much problems, especially personal problems that, that people and companies had, but the digitalization part that moved forward for many, many years ahead. I don't know how we survived. I can, in terms of the UK and in terms of presumably Austria and most of the European company uh, countries, we were looked after a lot by governments and different agencies that were looking after the people and making sure everything was reasonably stable. But there's a lot of countries out there which didn't get that support. A lot of companies in different countries collapsed. Yep. So we were lucky to get through that. And e-commerce as a result has just, as you said, had a 15-year growth spree in a very short period of time. Yeah, absolutely. How, how important is nowadays a well-structured loyalty program? How, how, what do, how do you see that? I think sometimes, um, Norbert, I can be a little bit controversial around this subject matter because I approach this from the perspective of Coca-Cola. Yeah, this is my little story I come up with yep. sometimes. If you go to a restaurant and you say, can I have a Coke? 50% of those restaurants will say, sure, and give you a Coke. And the other 50% will ask this exact question. Sorry, we don't have Coke, it's Pepsi. Is that okay? And every single time your answer is, sure. And that kind of creates a That's situation. true. I never thought about that. <laughs> yes. So basically, the exact words are, sorry, we have Pepsi. Is that okay? And we all will just say, yes. And then you go, well, where is the loyalty in that? Because I didn't, I, obviously I ask for a Coke, but I'll accept a Pepsi. And I think that's the same everywhere. 
where's my loyalty? I just want, I can only get what I can get sometimes. It's loyalty is a question of, is it just a question sometimes that there isn't even any loyalty? It's just whatever's available, I'll get. So the question of loyalty and well-structured loyalty programs is much more around what can we do for a customer to make their experience as best as possible and as easy as possible to get them to want to buy from us as much as possible in the easiest way possible and keep reminding them to come back and keep buying from us whenever they have some money to spare. So the importance of that, my goodness, without it, a brand can be losing 25%, 30% of their chances to get to a customer from the perspective of being able to reach out to that customer base and incentivize them to come back better, faster and better than their competitors can. That's obviously a huge thing. So to get new customers, to get return customers and to keep getting that customer incentivizing to buy more in a kind of personalized way, I think is becoming more and more important, mainly because everyone else is doing it. So if somebody's not doing it and not doing it well, they're going to be losing money and nobody wants to do that, right? That's true, but you also pointed out something that I want to dive in a bit. You said everyone is doing it and that's so true. And the question is, I hate it if I need to register for another loyalty program. The benefits you get are most benefits that are set very high. So you need to do a lot to even achieve them. So it's not attractive and you're just in another loyalty program. You need actually actively maintain that. How do you solve the problem? Right now, so now we get into really From a user perspective. Yeah, we get into really interesting directions and it almost verges on philosophy sometimes because you need to unwrap this problem in, in a really comprehensive way. But let's look at it. Like a few years ago, I had a friend called Paul and he used to be part of this kind of points program where every time he got the train, he would get some yeah. points. And he would travel to London and back and London and back and London and back and spend 30, 40 pounds every single day to get these trains. And at the end of the year, he had got enough points to buy a don't mess with the Zohan DVD. At the, what is that? He didn't want a don't mess with the Zohan TV. He didn't care about it. And maybe his needs at the time were to buy, a, I don't know, a Mariah Carey CD. Yeah, but he couldn't get the Mariah Carey CD because the retailer had determined that what they wanted to get rid of was the don't mess with the Zohan DVD. And of course, the points could suddenly expire or the retailer could go bust or a million other things that made that experience of Paul bad. And in fact, because it was such a bad experience, it probably puts him off the retailer that he would have otherwise, if they'd run a better program, be more interested in. Loyalty programs can actually have the opposite effect for the customer base if you look at it from solely the retailer's perspective. So you're quite right. Looking at it from the customer's perspective is the only solution. And the only solution to that is thinking, as a customer, what do I want? What do you want? I want as much free money as I possibly can have anytime I'm going shopping in as many places as possible without having to do anything, without having to say anything, without having to check in, without having to print coupons, without having to research codes. I don't want to do anything at all. And I want to know I have an accumulation of value that I can use back with specific brands. And if you look at it at that really fundamentally based perspective of what a human being wants, the rewards have to be strong enough and fungible, this word fungible, usable in many different places, as possible in order for me to be motivated or bother being involved. So 
How do you solve that? The way to solve it, or the first way we determined to solve it, was by tying normal payment methods to the transaction. So when I just register my card in any publisher app or any, in the same way as you would have a, an affiliate network being a publisher for the retailer, we would run reward programs where it could be, as I said, a bank or any large organization where they would onboard all of their customers by telling their customers, register their debit cards, credit cards, every payment method they have. And then every single time those customers use any of their payment methods, the reward is automatically tracked where the customer gets the same value like a cashback in one location. And then the customer can take that reward and then reuse it back at any of the participating brands. And by making that process as simple as possible, it solves everything from the customer perspective, but it creates additional problems and additional challenges for e-commerce and physical commerce that we also needed to solve to make this process as comprehensive as possible. And, we, and I can drill down on some of those problems that'll make sense to your audience too. So the, all of the brands that are running e-commerce programs generally are paying some sort of commission to a blog poster or an affiliate network or whatever to drive traffic to come back to their brands. Would you say that was fair enough? And Absolutely. That, yeah, and that money just goes somewhere and that's it. So the first way we looked at this was we thought to ourselves, what happens if you could incentivize customers across all publishers with, with, in a way where the brands didn't actually have to pay physical money to do that to pay that commission or that reward. But instead, we considered this physical money, we replaced it with almost a, a discount credit where you could come back to the store and or come back to that online store and redeem that value as a discount on the next sale. So from the customer's perspective, I still earn 5%, 10%, 20% cash back. But actually, there was no financial transaction with the brand. The brand just generated a bunch of discount credit and gave it to the customer. It looks like cashback. It smells like cashback. And of course, if I want to use it or cash it out to my bank, I can't do that. What I can do is I can come back and use it as a discount within the network of participating brands. And when I come back and I use that discount credit back within the participating brands, now the brand didn't pay anything for the first sale. It only paid a discount on its second sale. And now the brand has back this discount credit, which it can give out to the next customer in the chain, whoever, whoever's shopping with them next. So creating that kind of closed loop approach, but thinking of it in an open loop environment gives the brand all the benefits that they want, which is less cost, much higher return on investment because they're not paying anything. They're just getting a second sale back in. And it meant, and it's like on the opposite side of the seesaw, it makes the customer's life unbelievably easy because they just register a credit card, collect rewards, and then they can only send that reward back with the brands that are originally participating in that sort of network effect. Does that make sense or give an answer? Yeah, that's a really good answer, actually. And it makes total sense. And it brings me already to the next question. What are then the most common mistakes that e-commerce businesses make when they implement a loyalty program? It's more along the lines of thinking about it from only their perspective. So someone picks up the phone and says, hey, why don't you implement this strategy? And the, someone in the brand's like, okay, let's give that a shot. And then instead of it, maybe it starts off at 
say, a 10% reward, and then they go, okay, you know what? I only want to pay 10% if the customer spends 50 euros. And then it turns into, oh, but if the customer spends too much money, I don't want to give away too much reward. So I want to cap the reward at 10 euros per transaction. And then it goes, uh, oh, okay, well, actually, if the customer has already shopped with me before, I want to give them actually less. And they start putting all these rules around the system that eventually makes the customer not interested and it reverts to the same idea of looking for coupons and all this stuff. Or activating offers. Yeah. Why should I have to activate an offer? I'm not interested. Why should I have to? I don't know. There's a million different things where they're quite interesting. And these things like spinning the wheel. So you spin the wheel and maybe you get an offer at the brand or you everybody wins at some sort of deal. That's quite interesting as some sort of gamification to try something straight away. But it doesn't solve the problem of maintaining that long-term relationship with the customer and bringing them back and back again. So imagine if you're a brand and every customer who's ever shopped with you, you can just send a push message onto their phone on their birthday, automatically on their birthdays, if they shopped at another brand, if they haven't shopped with you for three months, a push message appears on the phone within the apps of the banks and the, and the media companies and any other publishing networks where they're all coming back to you as a customer. We need to solve the problem of impulsing someone to buy more right there and then, and we need to solve the problem of reaching back out to them to get them coming back in again. And if you can, if you can make the currency itself the hook to bring them back again, that's where the win happens. Because they, if they've got this currency, what can they do with it? They need to come back to spend the currency back the second time, and everybody is conscious of this this coins in their in their wallet, these digital vouchers in their wallet that they can come back and use. And that, I think, uh, completes the circuits or keeps the circuit going because the second time they come back and spend, they get even more of these units to come back the next time. So it creates this kind of, um, you know, recurring cycle that becomes exponential over time. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, I personally, I really like loyalty programs more first buyer marketing mechanisms like sign up for a newsletter and you get a 5% discount and then looking for coupons up front, spinning the wheel. Yeah, I, I don't like these mechanisms because what do they teach us? They teach us you just need to look online to find a coupon code and you can buy cheaper somewhere. And then you see another coupon code from another provider and you go there or you sign off from the newsletter, you unsubscribe and then subscribe back again to get the coupon again. What tells it to us? Yeah? And the loyalty program is the completely different way. A loyalty program is you buy from us, you get benefits, but those benefits are good thought benefits that really bring you value. And if we would invest more into this part, we would have more loyal customers and we would have not so many one-time buyers that that just stopped in because of the special benefit that they get for the first purchase. The loyalty programs should be almost like, in my view anyway, in my view, a loyalty currency framed around the perfect situation for a brand where it can reach in and keep getting customers to come back to it needs to be framed around the needs of the customer, as we've said at the beginning. And one of those really important needs is I don't want my data being shared with everybody. People are more and more conscious of the fact of their own data. And so the way we think in terms of the way we're operating these collaborative programs is thinking about it in a perspective where when the user 
grants his own data and he puts his own data in one location, his cards, his name, his Facebook profiles or her Facebook profile, whatever, all that data is in one place. And in order to get the reward, so I'm a customer who's never heard of your business. I come into your business and in order to get the reward, I allow you to push me messages to let me know what's happening in future. And if I turn off that access, I stop getting rewarded at your business. So of course, most customers never turn off the access. So it's a fair exchange. You can now communicate with me. In return, I get rewards every time I come to you. There's a perfect dynamic. If you send me too many messages, I'm going to cut your access because I'm not interested in receiving infinite push messages. But if you send me right the right amount at the right times, which you've got control over, we don't even involve ourselves in any of these processes, I, as an individual user, have a relationship with maybe the 10 brands I use, and I'm really happy to keep engaging with them. And a new brand, I'm still exposed there. I still see them that I've never used them before. They can hit me with a larger offer, perhaps, to attract me the first time. And then after that, the offer becomes whatever that brand wants to do. Maybe it wants to increase it if the customer's not been there for eight months, for example. So this interaction point of recognizing it's the actual human being of a customer that has to make their own decisions of where they're going to go and what they're going to buy in the easiest way possible, controlling their own data. And at the end of the day, 99% of the time, if you can get that advert out to the person at the right moment, you're done. For example, yesterday I, was, I saw this advert for a strimmer you attach to your garden strimmer and it can really wipe out the weeds much easier on, on the ground. And that ad must have gone out to 200 people before I saw it and I was excited about that ad. And then I wanted to proceed to buy that, buy that uh, thing. Now imagine if that same ad can have gone out to a specific group of people in their own environments, in their own apps, who we already know are doing whatever they're doing because we're watching the transactions that they're doing wherever they're doing them. It's not just that one specific business. We can understand who the right target market is to see that ad, make them to come to the business. None of it costs the business any money whatsoever until the customer comes back to the business. The first time they're just giving out reward credit, the second time they're accepting back their own reward credit. So as that comes into one full picture, I think we end up with a really interesting solution. And I'm not saying we're the only solution. I just think we've got some real uh, benefits for this particular one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's so true what you say. The possible ways to reach out and the exchange that uh, that you do with the people to you get the reward and we get your the way to talk to you. And this is really an interesting fact that we need to consider. Do you see any future trends? How and where does this go to? I think the whole um, way in almost a schizophrenic way at the moment on, on a giant level, one side of it is... I want my privacy back. I want control of my life back. I want control of my, you know, I'm like a, a guy maybe who just doesn't buy into the globalist agenda. And then you've got another group of people who are completely bought into doing everything that the world tells them to do. And they're two very different groups of people. So from the highest perspectives, those two groups are what we're aiming for as a customer base. And what you do for one doesn't work for the other. So having a solution where the customer bases themselves have the rewards that they can get at the most places possible in the best, easiest way for them, where they're in control of their data, that resonates with both of those groups. So in terms of future trends, you have this fight on 
between cryptocurrencies and the traditional value frameworks, between, between data sharing and no data sharing, between regulation, between all of this stuff that's everywhere is turning into a massive war. And at the end of the day, the retailer or the brands that you're dealing with either going to win or fail based on how they respond to the end user's needs, the end user's needs within all of that data frameworks and regulation and, and all of that stuff that's happening, just simplify it down to, hey, come here. Every time you come back, you get, every time you shop with me, I'll give you 10% credit and you can come back and use the 10% credit and you're not restricted. You've not got rules. You've not got complications. And you know what? I recognize that if you want to send that credit to somebody else, then that other person will come back and use the credit at my store. And that's good for me. It's not that I only want you. Share that yeah. credit around, move it around, build more collaboratively, think more holistically that your business is part of an economy of our countries, but also we can build a smaller economy, which is more focused around bringing people back to your business. And obviously the value of an economy within an economy can be, can be amplified by, by being smaller or smaller group of brands within it, rather than every single brand that's out there in the world. So that's the kind of, that's where I think we're headed. That's cool. Thank you so much. Cool insights. Last question for the day. We are over time already, as usual. We're always planning to do 20, 25 minutes and then go over and over. Yeah. Last question, as usual. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? I think it's you actually, Norbert. <laughs> um, oh, really? Uh, what? <laughs> so I think, I think that I'm not an e-commerce expert. Thank you. I'm, I'm not an e-commerce expert, but what we've learned over time is the same in every business. You know, we just want to make money and we want to make it in the easiest way possible with the best tools possible. And I think that when we started getting into the payment industry itself, and understanding how transactions are processed, where cards can be stored. A lot of my experience comes from that side, the payment side and the reward side, yeah. rather than operating the specific, the specific e-commerce business. We have some, but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an expert at them. We're still learning every day. It's always difficult. Yeah. I know you're coming from another direction, but FinTech, for instance, for me is, uh, is something that an interesting topic because it's a complete other world. It's e-commerce yeah, or it's part of the e-commerce world, but it's a complete other world. When I was thinking about the answer to that question just there, I read the statistic that 57% of all the online money goes to Amazon. 57%. How is an independent brand going to, going to challenge that? You need comprehensive loyalty. You need comprehensive systems. And, uh, and it's well worth investing or looking into and understanding more of whoever's going to provide it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much. It was really a pleasure talking to you and understanding a bit more about loyalty programs, about how the ways are going, how people are thinking and all this kind of stuff. Really amazing. Thank you so much. And yeah, guys, if you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the next episodes. And I wish you good luck, Bish. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.